0: This is Michael Badgley, and you're listening to the Chargers Podcast Network.
1: What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a virtual Beat Writers Roundtable edition of Chargers Weekly. One of my favorite things that we do here on this podcast. And we got a crew today Haley Elwood, Chargers team reporter. Haley, how are we doing?
2: We're good. We're hanging in there. We are less than a week away from the draft. How crazy is that all of a sudden?
1: I know. It's seven days away. Jason Hirschhorn, Sports Illustrated. We did this a couple of weeks ago, man. Welcome back. I-
3: I'm glad to be here. It is filling in those, those hours of the day that otherwise would not have nearly as much to do.
1: Yeah, and it's fun too, by the way. Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group. No mustache. The only <laughs> disappointment I've had this morning. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You
4: know, one day I was having breakfast and I got food in my mustache. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's oh, time to shave it. I haven't shaved my mustache in like in 10 years. So I, I feel like a, a new person. So sometimes a, a change of scenery is kind of good.
2: It's a problem I have all the time.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Jeff Miller, LA Times, straight off a run. Thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, I am glad to be here.
5: I have to be honest with you i'm amazed though, just running around Huntington Beach, and especially when the weather gets nice like this i'm shocked how many people don't understand how far six feet is it's really wow, there are people um, uh it's, yeah, shoulder to shoulder out there so you' got to hit it, part of running is uh is dodging people at this point, so it's uh it's all good though we're we're good.
1: Good, yeah, sometimes people don't get that right No, they don't not everybody. Daniel Popper, The Athletic, he's back. I saw a fresh mock draft in his, uh, in his column, too. Yeah,
0: three so far. I got a fourth one, which will be my closest prediction of what I think is going to happen on Monday. Um, I appreciate us doing this early in the morning, though. I actually got up and got showered the earliest I have since quarantine started, and I owe that to you, Chris. So much appreciated.
1: I'm trying to get everybody in a, in a good routine on this Thursday morning. Joe Reedy, Associated Press... Welcome to the roundtable, my friend. How are you?
6: Thank you, uh, Chris. I am uh, live still from Ohio, where uh, fans are uh, st- fans are parading and not social distancing. That the Browns finally went to a traditional uniform, and on April sixteenth we have snow on the ground, so good times. Wow!
1: Probably. Well, I hope you're staying safe. Those, those Browns unis actually look pretty good. No, I I like them. It's back to
6: traditional. It's not as uh, There's no Cleveland or stuff to pants down the line. And uh, with Tuesday's Chargers unveiling, maybe a uh, good sign that the Nike folks aren't going uh, too uh, overboard on this round of uh, uniform redesigns.
1: Yeah, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised by what they see on Tuesday with the Chargers. We'll get into the uni talk too because there's been a lot of tweets flying around. I know Jeff Miller had a uh, a comment about all the tweets flying around from former players and current players, right?
5: <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to figure. Out, does anybody has anybody seen any early reviews of the Charger uniforms? I haven't got any. I got, I'm trying to get a sense of what the. It's it's been, fun, funny. Like it's the hype is uh, is awesome, and I think I mean I'm sure fans love it, and I think everybody's anticipating uh, they're going to be these great kind of old school things, and so uh, I, I, I mean I it, the, the only problem is they better be great, or it's going to be a letdown because the buildup has been tremendous. So many fire
1: emojis, Jeff. So many fire emojis. That's my game, baby. Mr. Emoji. That's me. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna go we're gonna go pretty draft heavy today, but want to kind of put a bow on what we've seen on free agency thus far. Uh the latest being a couple of XFLers in Storm Norton. What a name, by the way, and, and Donald Parnum, a a tight end 68240. Uh Jason, let's start with you, man. Just your, uh, your overall thoughts on what the Chargers have done, including these last two pickups. Well, they're taking advantage of the XFL's
3: demise. If the league had persisted as long as it was supposed to in its first season, these players would still be under contract with the league. I believe their version of the Super Bowl would have been either this past weekend or the following weekend, but either way, they would still be under contract, and that's so many more games of film that other teams could have seen and used to pick off these players. And instead, the Chargers were able to pounce on them. And and they're both really talented, tremendously big individuals. Norton is 6'7 and change. Parnham, a tight end, 6'8 and change. So these are going to be two of the tallest, most noticeable people on the entire roster.
1: Gil, uh, a big target for whoever the quarterback's going to be. When when you talk about having Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, you got Austin Eckler in the backfield. Hey, a 6'8 tight end who, who had a lot of success in the XFL. That's not so
4: bad. Yeah, I started doing research on, on Donald then. About a year ago, I think I think, he, I think he was maybe 200 pounds, kind of a lanky tight end. Now he's like this muscular build guy after a year. So whatever he did in the past year and with the Dallas Renegades, like he, he really got bulky. He's athletic. Uh, and to pair up with Hunter Henry, that must be pretty nice for whoever's a starting quarterback for the Chargers. But uh, – just covering the Wildcats and, and and talking about Storm Norton, he really stood out. I, I'm pretty intrigued about Storm Norton being a, a left tackle there. That could be an opening for the Chargers. So Storm and Donald could be pretty good additions for the Chargers.
1: Sounds good. I, I'd sense a lot of nicknames for the, the offensive line with a guy like Storm if he has some success. Jeff, now that the dust has settled a little bit uh, – what do you think this Chargers roster looks like? Uh, you know, you got a, a revamped right side of the line. You got some, uh, some upgrades on the defensive side. Uh, Chargers have done some good things with the draft a week away.
5: Yeah, I, I think so. I think they've addressed a lot of the needs that they had, like we've talked about before. I mean, the, the offensive line and, um, being the, the biggest one, uh, and obviously the quarterback situation still a little fluid, but, uh, they have addressed what we all knew was an issue last last year was the offensive line and it is funny though isn't it to think you look at this line this roster even right now even before the draft you know they're gonna get some uh, some more talent here it's kind of hard to believe I was talking to someone yesterday that these guys only won five games last year like there's a lot of good players on this team this is not a five-win team and I I know we say that and people and, and I don't know if the uh, charger fans kind of are sick of hearing this play. isn't a five-win team and I, uh, I I do get the impression that um, I do get the sense that this is a you know these guys they're they're not they're not as far away from uh, a playoff contending team as uh, most five-win teams would be so I think they've done a great job Tom Telesco so far has done a, done a really good job and now they just have to finish it off with a good draft and, and hopefully they you know if they catch a break on quarterback they, this could be a great off season for the for the Chargers that despite all the stuff that we're we're living through right now
1: Popper, the defense now with Chris Harris Jr. and Linval Joseph. Um, Linvald is going to be, a, I, I think, a, a force on the defensive line next to guys like, like Justin John. Jones and Jerry Tillery and obviously Bosa and Ingram. Uh, but just the leadership that he provides and Chris Harris Jr., two Super Bowl champions, Daniel.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, that, was sort of, that was definitely a need after they moved on from Brandon Ebane. They needed somebody, at nose tackle, who's going to take up those snaps and those reps. The question is now sort of what do they do at depth? Do they resign Damian Square, a guy who can back up at nose tackle and back up Joey Bosa at strong side defensive end? Um, you know, we talked last time we were on here about sort of where Chris Harris fits in. It seems like he's going to play the slot. But the interesting thing about all these kind of big marquee free agent signings is they're all over 30. And going back to what Jeff said, like, not only does it appear that they're not a 5-1 team, the organization doesn't think that. They think they're really close based on these moves. You don't go out and sign three big players over the age of 30 if you think you're a few years away from winning which should be an indication of where the organization feels like this team is. Um, and the question is, how does that affect the quarterback situation and the decisions they make in the draft? Do they try and plug pieces and, and win next season? I think that's certainly a possibility. And does that mean they're leaning towards starting Tyrod Taylor? That's also a possibility.
1: Hey, Reedy, the offensive line, I sense the potential of a turnaround. when When you bring in a guy like Trey Turner, who's been a pro bowler, each of the last five seasons Brian Bulaga a very steady right tackle you get Mike Pouncey back Um, we'll see what they do maybe in the draft or maybe a guy like Storm Norton emerges on the left side with Trey Pipkins Uh, but I do see this offensive line with James Campin really kind of turning this thing around in 2020.
6: I think that the line is developing That's a lot different than what we saw last year there's a Lot more veterans, uh, good chance for leadership. You bring in a Trey Turner who's got that leadership ability that can help meld things. You've got a the young guys. To me, left tackle is still a it's still a big area of concern. Storm Norton, good signing, but can they draft some um, Trey Pipkins? Maybe by the season comes in and can be that starting left tackle. Would I trust them to start on day one? Not at this moment, especially with the lack of an off-season program. I think many of us were through 2011 and kind of saw teams develop slowly post-lockout without those offseason practices. And I think that, you know, trusting a second-year guy to go in at that spot is a uh, – is a little bit of a concern and you know with Jason Peters still out there is that a post-June one signing when the dust settled thing or how do you go but I think overall for free agency for moving into a new stadium and wanting to make a splash and show that you're aggressive and not just sitting around going we had a good roster; things went bad last year in a uh, very good offseason
1: Haley, we've had a chance to talk to these guys, and I think one of the most important things when you bring in new players is just the fit, right? Mm -hmm. How they're going to fit in with the rest of the team, with the coaches, and these seem like guys who are not only leaders, but um, they're going to vibe with the chemistry and the culture that's already been built with this team.
2: It's 100% true. I mean, I've had, yeah, exactly a chance to talk with a few of them, and you you totally get that vibe when you talk with them and and you can just tell they're just so excited to be part of this team and to the point of some of these guys being a little older They're seeing this as sort of just a fresh start for their careers as well, and they get to do that with the Chargers, and that is really exciting. Now, one guy that we haven't touched on, though, is wide receiver Darius Jennings, who's primarily known for his special teams prowess. And Daniel, I'll throw this one to you. He actually led the league in kick return yardage in 2018. What do you think he will be able to bring to that third phase of football?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously what he brings to the table is, is more on special teams as a returner.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, you, you question sort of what that means for, for Desmond King and, and his role moving forward. Um, again, uh, you know, a lot of both of these signs between Chris Harris and Darius Jennings, sort of that's my first thought. Um, but, you, you know, the one thing is Anthony Lynn did mention Darius Jennings as a, as a receiver as well. Um, and the one thing that they did need to add to this offense was speed. That's the clear thing lacking on this offense. They have a lot of weapons, but not a lot of speed outside of Austin Eckler. Um, so you wonder how much, if they opt to maybe take a receiver later in the draft or not take a receiver at all, maybe Darius Jennings is that guy that provides that sort of Travis Benjamin speed to, uh, as the third wide receiver to sort of take the top off the defense. Um. So between the special teams and what he could bring maybe as a speed receiver on offense, um, definitely a, a really intriguing signing, especially at, at the dollar value they got him at.
1: Jeff, the third wide receiver spot, and I, I'll kick this around to everybody too. I'm intrigued by what I'm hearing in the draft because there's so many wide receivers in this draft. Um, do you think it makes sense? Maybe a second, third, fourth round selection to get a guy to compliment Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, a la, kind of that Travis Benjamin role that, that can kind of take the top off the defense, especially when you're in a division with the chiefs who have speed all over the field.
5: Yeah, I think it's, it's very viable. What about this? Does, does any Anybody like on this? All of us on here right now. We all, everyone is kind of in this assumption. I think rightly so is that it's going to be a quarterback, probably tackle, probably probably going to be a quarterback. What about if they took the receiver first? Anybody think that's possible? I mean, I don't. I don't. The more I think about this, I, I, you know, and there's also been this Isaiah Simmons talk. I mean, would that be crazy if all of a sudden they did something like that that none of us saw coming? I mean, they they could take the receiver out there, and that would be you know, you know, so I, I, I think they need to get a receiver. Absolutely. And I mean, it's somebody who can run and uh, catch the ball. And I mean, we, you know, they, they need another weapon. I don't, I mean, I, I, I love Hunter Henry. I don't think Hunter Henry's a great weapon in terms of a playmaker. I mean, they need somebody who can, you know, the receiver who can go beat people deep and they can throw the ball deep. And I mean, they've got that somewhat with Mike Williams and somewhat, they do have that with Mike Williams, but, but he's not a true speed, speed guy. And I, I think they definitely need that. But does, does anybody think it's possible that they could go a totally different way in the first round?
0: And they'd have to trade back to take a receiver. Like I don't think any of the receivers are good enough to take it six, you take more, that high more based on positional value. Like, you, like, you know, they, Offensive tackle and quarterback are the two most important positions in the field. They have needs there, and those are the guys that you'd probably look to take that high in the draft. Like if they traded maybe out of the top 10, then, you could, then they could look at Jerry Judy maybe or CeeDee Lamb, whichever yeah. guy they have rated top. Isaiah Simmons is an interesting option at six. It all depends on how highly they have him rated. You know, I always go back to what the Jags did last year. Like they needed offense. They needed a tight end, and TJ Hawkinson was there for them at seven, but Josh Allen was the guy they had rated as a top three player, and he fell to seven. And that was too much value for them to pass up, even though the defensive end for them was like their their most loaded position on the roster. So it all depends on, on sort of the value there. But they need they need a linebacker. They need an off-ball linebacker. And Isaiah Simmons is about as good as he can get.
2: Well, Jason... isn't that sort of – oh, sorry, Chris.
1: Oh, Haley, go for it.
2: Yeah, I'll... I was just going to say, isn't that sort of like the age-old question, though, of the draft? Like, is it best player available or is it need? And particularly that runs into the first round, right?
1: It's a
0: balance.
5: It's a balance. Yeah, but... I mean, like – I think what Daniel said. I think we we've heard Tom Telesco mention this, where uh, you know whenever their pick comes around, whatever ends up happening, if they have a guy like Daniel said who's rated higher than, I mean, if they're picking six and they have a guy who they think is the number one pick or number two pick, they're going to take that guy. And I think we've exactly. we've heard Tom reference that, and I, I think that's uh, I think that's what they'll do. And uh, depending on whoever that guy is, over hey, we've got to take a guy at this position.
1: Yeah. You know, Gil and then Gil and then Jason, I, I want to ask you guys this because at number six, there are a variety of ways you can go. Obviously, a, a lot of people are thinking quarterback, but you have some blue chip left tackles there in the kid from Alabama, Wills, uh Wirfs from Iowa, Makai Beckton from Louisville, um, Andrew Thomas from Georgia, and then you have guys like Isaiah Simmons and Jeff Okuda. I don't think you can go wrong at six because you're gonna get either a blue chip defender. Uh, perhaps a franchise left tackle or a franchise quarterback?
4: Yeah, I think if if you're going for quarterback and say Tua and Herbert are the guys you want and they're not there at number six, then you have the option to go either a left tackle. There's going to be four really good ones or get Simmons to kind of pair up with Derwin James, which would be pretty fun to watch. Uh, so I think for the Chargers, they're in a good spot. And talking about them trying to win now. If you have Tyrod Taylor as your starter, why not get him a left tackle and see what you could do with this team in 2020. Yeah, and to
3: Gilbert's point, the Chargers could invest in a first-round receiver even if it doesn't involve their current first-round pick. And we've discussed how Desmond King may or may not actually be in their long-term plans. He's in the final year of his contract. Well, they're not far away from the first round with their second-round pick. Maybe that's a scenario where they package that pick Desmond King and maybe some other draft consideration on the third day move back into the first round because we know there are teams at the end of the first round that will be looking for that kind of trade package. Maybe a team like the Packers, who are there at thirty, who need a slot corner like Desmond King. That's the kind of trade package that would make sense, I think, for both parties and give the Chargers an opportunity to bring in maybe that deep threat, vertical speed receiver like a Jalen Rager or one of those types.
0: But or you trade ha- back do- in for quarterback.
1: Yeah, that's a possibility too. With a guy like Jordan Love, Joe, would you even have to move into the first round for a wide receiver? You have, you know, Jason mentioned Rager from TCU, KJ Hamler from Penn State, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. I think one of those guys is probably sitting there for the Chargers at the top of the second if they want him.
6: Yeah, I would think so too. Um, I think Desmond King. Since we're we're talking about him and possible, you know, possible trade. I would look immediately with Detroit at three. I think everybody's got Jeff Okuda of Ohio State slotted at that number three spot because secondary help. But what if Tom is so set on Herbert that he wants to move up for three with Detroit and Pampton them with Okuda and maybe a second or third day pick to get into that to, to get into that third spot and grab the quarterback that he wants there I mean it's not the first time that chart. I think the last time the Chargers made a significant draft day move it involved getting their franchise quarterbacks years ago in the uh trade with the in the trade with the Giants so it wouldn't be out of out of the realm of the possibility. The only question I have with the offensive lineman right now at number six is the only guy who I've seen who right now is a natural left tackle that you can bring in is Becton, and as it, Becton at six is that too much of a reach at the moment? Maybe compared to maybe compared to Wilson, and the kid from Alabama, but also if Isaiah Simmons is there at six. I mean, it would be the second time in three years they stud defensive project, not project. They stud defensive prospect is kind of fallen into the Chargers' lap. I mean, we all all expected Derwin James two years ago to be a top ten pick, and all of a sudden he was there for the Chargers to grab. So if Isaiah Simmons is there at six, and he is a BPA on uh, Tom's board. I certainly wouldn't see it all the realm of possibility that he goes there and then maybe trades up into late in the first round that if Jordan loves there, does he, does he make a change? Does he does he pull the trigger there?
1: Haley, how tempting would that be? Uh, if, if you don't get the quarterback that you want, if that quarterback's not there at six and you see a guy like Isaiah Simmons sitting there and you envision Derwin, James, Simmons, and Joey Bosa on all three levels of your defense – knowing that you have to face the Chiefs twice a year, uh, that's pretty tempting.
2: It's pretty tempting. And yeah, I mean, you said it. The goal is always to win your division. And we know what the Kansas City Chiefs did in 2019. They didn't just win their division. They won the whole enchilada, as you would say. So to be able to compete and take, you know, sort of limit the speed that they have on offense, that would be incredible. But I think that's that's sort of what's so exciting about the draft is the fact that there's so much unknown And even when you pick as high as six, every move essentially that happens from one through five has some sort of implication potentially on what the chargers do, whether like Joe was saying, if someone like Isaiah Simmons starts to kind of fall, it's like, Ooh, is that kind of tempting? Could that happen? Is it a quarterback? Is it a tackle? It's so interesting. And Chris, you and I have been doing these mock drafts with some analysts from around the league and I'll pose this to everyone. Overall, who do you guys think is the overall best player in this year's draft. Because the two people that I've talked to overwhelmingly have said it's Chase Young. But just to kind of get your thoughts on that.
3: It's Chase Young. It's definitely Chase Young. He's so athletically gifted. He's so technically sound. Uh, a, A lot of analysts, and I agree with them, have compared him to almost like a more athletic Bosa brother, which makes sense given where they went to college, who has been teaching them, all of those sort of things. And, I mean, it would be a surprise if he lasts longer than the second overall pick because we all believe that Washington wants that kind of presence on their defensive line. Ron Rivera certainly has dealt with that kind of talent before and knows how to exploit it to maximum ability.
6: If the, if the Bengals did not need a quarterback and the Athens assassin Joe Burrow being as though with just – and also, Mike Brown's love of Ohio State players and quarterbacks. Chase Young, hands down, would be the the number one pick in the draft. But Joe Burrow to Cincinnati and also taking over Carson Palmer's number at nine uh, is such a natural, natural fit. That, um, but that uh, it, he goes there. But Chase Young. Uh, without a doubt is the top is the top
0: athlete in this year's draft. Hopper? Yeah, I, I don't yeah, I don't think it's much of a conversation. Yeah, like Chase, Chase Young is is absolutely outrageous and like Joe said the only the only reason the Bengals aren't taking Chase Young is because they'd need a quarterback and quarterback's the most important position on the field.
1: Can I just pose this though in again, this is just because being at the senior bowl, the Bengals Coach Justin Herbert, let's just say someone like Miami or any team, for that matter, gives the Bengals a huge offer uh, to take the number one pick, get a haul of first-rounders, and you know the, the Bengals have to move back six, seven spots. If they feel like Herbert is comparable, or if they feel like Herbert can be a franchise guy, do you think they listen to offerings for their number one overall pick Gil.
4: I, I think you have to, uh, especially like a team like Miami who has three first round picks. You can get maybe one or two of those first round picks so why not? Especially on a Bengals roster that has, that has so many holes and so many needs, you got to at least consider it. But I think when, when the Bengals sit down and kind of look at the future, uh, you know, what could Joe Burrow do for you for the next 10 years Him being a hometown guy, he's going to bring a lot of attention, a lot of, a lot. He's going to sell a lot of tickets. So when you got a quarterback, a stud quarterback, look, look at what Lamar Jackson is doing and Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes that quarterback and those guys were taken a little later. I know that, but sometimes that quarterback kind of gives you energy for a franchise and the Bengals have kind of needed that for a very long time. So I think they stick with Joe Burr at the end. What say
1: you Jeff Miller? I know you, you've been doing these uh, LA times, mock drafts. You've been seeing some wild stuff.
5: Um, it, it's been, you know, the, the biggest thing I think we've all heard here the last couple of weeks is that there, are, uh, whether it's true or not, is that the, there's all kinds of, uh, split uh, allegiances in Miami about between Tua and, uh, Justin Herbert. And that, the uh, the notion, I mean, for a, the longest time, we all thought they would take Tua. It's a no brainer. There's no question about it. That's where the, that's who they're going to take because Burrow is going to be gone. And now there's this thought that, uh, at least being uh, put out there by some of my old colleagues down in Miami that they are, uh, that actually there's a, there's a faction in the dolphin front office that thinks Herbert's a better player. So uh, I personally think the chargers would be delighted if, uh, if the dolphins feel that way. I just don't know if it's true or not. Cause there's also uh, it's also being reported down there by other people that that's a total smokescreen and they don't believe it. So um, the biggest thing I think that we've seen, at least as it relates to the chargers here, that, could it directly impact them in the last few weeks has been that storyline is that may, maybe the dolphins really seriously are thinking about taking Herbert. And like I said, I, I think if I was Tom telesco I would be very, uh, I'd be encouraging the dolphins to go that way.
1: Rule number one of anything related to the draft is don't believe anything until draft day because <laughs> everybody's lying. <laughs> no one's telling yeah. the truth right now, right?
2: Has, hashtag smokescreen season right yeah, now. A hundred percent.
0: Uh, I went back, I went exactly back to what look. this is. There was a report that came out on April 20th of last year that the Cardinals were not taking Kyler Murray. The year before that, there was a report that came out that Sam Darnold was definitely going number one overall. Like, it happens every year in the lead-up to the draft. There's reports that come out that this team's actually going to go this way. The only time it's ever really come to fruition was the Baker Mayfield stuff. But a lot of the time, this stuff is complete smoke screens, And the stuff that you initially hear is usually what ends up being the truth.
1: Haley, I want to ask you this and then we'll we'll kick this around the, the horn because I think this is interesting with the pandemic and everything going on right now. Um, how much are rookies really going to impact the 2020 season? Because we've talked about even guys like Mike Williams missing the, his his rookie offseason and Jerry Tillery missing most of his rookie offseason. Um, it takes a lot of time to catch up. So Whether you're a quarterback or really any position, how do you think this is going to affect guys who are rookies, new to the league, new coaches, new teammates, doing everything virtual, not being able to get the requisite reps that you probably need to start an NFL season, yet alone just be productive throughout the course of a 16-game season?
2: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, is it sort of a red shirt year for some of those guys in general, just because of the fact that first off, we don't know what's going to happen the rest of this month, the next month, who knows really ultimately, as far as how long this virtual off season lasts when they do get on the field, what is that going to be like? You know, is there a training camp? Is, is there that opportunity to actually get out? I think That's why the position with the Chargers is so great with having someone like Tyrod Taylor here already. And depending on what they do, if Tyrod's a starter, if they bring someone else in, you know that you have a reliable veteran there. But I even pose this to even some of the free agents that we talk to. It's like, what is it like, though, coming to a new team when you're still at your house, far away? You were supposed to be here already. We were supposed to be doing these interviews face-to-face. And they're saying, you know, it's even difficult for them. But it's, in a weird way, though, Everyone's in the same boat. It's just going to kind of figure out and depend on who handles this the best, team-wise. Because ultimately, that'll you know, once January February kicks around, we'll see how that ends up going.
1: Jason, what do you think about that?
3: I think Haley's absolutely right. It's going to be a a greater adjustment process given the lack of an offseason for all of the players. So I think that, frankly, is probably going to affect some of these decisions in the draft. You know, just to pick one position with receiver, you have prospects like. LSU's Justin Jefferson, a more refined option than, let's just say, Brendan Ayuk out of Arizona State. You know, maybe those guys would have gone in the same order either way, but you know, if you have a raw prospect, it might push them down the charts, knowing that it's going to be harder to get them ready to play in 2020. Now, long-term, you presume this is not going to dramatically impact anyone too much, but it has to affect the decision, or at
1: least the thought process, as general managers approach these players. Reedy, do you agree that, that uh, general managers are probably thinking about not only the, the long term, but also just the 2020 season with regard to who they select?
6: Yeah, I think so. and I know, Chris, you and I were around in 2011 where I think the one advantage for teams this time maybe compared to the lockout situation is when we get to virtual rules and everything. The assistants, the coaches, in the front office at least knows their roster and can have these virtual sessions. When we had the lockout in '11, you were you were kind of trying that players could, you know, practice practice and organize themselves and try to get ahead that way. And also, when the lockout ended in 2011. During much of training, rosters were kind of evolving because free agent signings were going on at the same time. So at least by June you'll know what your rosters are in this situation. To me, the biggest question is going to be with a lot of these prospects Pros is medicals and especially Tua because in April prospects would be able to come back to you'd have the doctors, you'd have that medical rec. We don't have that right now. If we're going on a lot of February and maybe early March and you're really trying to talk to doctors and for example with Tua in Alabama and elsewhere to get an accurate gauge on where he might be this year and a couple other of the prospects too so I think medical and that's gonna
0: that's gonna be the biggest factor this year.
1: Popper let's go to you then Gil.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's going to affect your draft picks. But for me, the bigger question is, what happens with these guys who are entering their second year who the Chargers are expecting to make huge jumps? They got virtually nothing out of their first three picks last year between Jerry Tillery, Nasir Adderley, and Trey Pipkins. Um, they are expecting all those guys to make huge jumps. And in order to make huge jumps, they had to be on the field this spring and this, and, and this summer getting the reps in. If they're not, what what do you get out of those guys and how much can you expect out of them? That's another huge question that the front office and coaching staff has to consider is, is the development of those three guys.
4: Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, the medical concerns for these draft prospects. How do you kind of go about that? And, and Joe brought it up. Uh, but I, I think this, having the combine in February before all this happened probably really helps out these prospects that were there. So at least get checked out from the doctors there. I know, I know there's not the team doctors there, uh, but, I think Joe asked Anthony and Linda's question on the conference call. Do you feel okay about what you saw at the combine? Do you feel about the physicals you saw from the colleges? He said he felt comfortable. So, at least from that point of view, if you think about a guy like Tuatanga Baloa, they feel okay. The, the question now becomes you think he'll be ready for 2021, 2022? But at least for 2021, 2020, he seems like he's healthy. All right, guys, this is what I want to do. So, I want to ask each of you,
1: who you think the Chargers are going to select at number six overall? We'll, we'll tally it up, and then we'll just talk about each prospect. It, we could be talking about one prospect, if everybody has a unanimous uh, uh, decision here. But let's start with Jeff Miller. Jeff. Yeah, first who pick, are, baby. You first pick. The, the number six overall pick. The, the L.A. Chargers are selecting who?
5: I am going to root for the story that gives us the most to write about. Please, please let this thing happen. I'd be, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great for the franchise moving into Duke Stadium. I think there's a ton of upside. Really, I, I think two is the one player, um, one quarterback they could take that would really excite fans and people would get fired up about. Uh, I, I have serious reservations by Justin Herbert. I mean, I'm, and I believe me, I've missed on all these guys. I have no idea what's happening half the time in this stuff. But I've seen him play a few games. And I know he, <laughs> I know quote, he, quote. I know he had a great space and everything. But I, I remember one night, I can't remember where we were. We were on the road. I was watching Oregon late at night. We were somewhere on the East Coast. And I remember watching, thinking, wow, this guy is going to be a first round pick. And now that, you know, these guys all have off nights. Okay. So, but I, I, I would really be fired up. I think if I was a Charger fan, if they could get to a, that, I think that'd be awesome. And, It'd be a fun story for all of us. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Tua just because I want to root for
1: what's best for us. Jeff, your phone cut out at the beginning of you making selection, <laughs> yeah. and everybody <laughs> what was like, about? "Wait, who's he talking about?" So Tua. All right, we got it's one Tua. for Tua. Let's go to Gill. Gill, number six overall.
4: Yeah, I'm on I'm on the same page uh, with Jeff Miller. There, I, I want an exciting player, a star attraction. So why not go with Tua Tangovaloa? And also, I've been practicing saying Tua Tangovaloa. <laughs> Many I times, right. Like
0: you want to show that you can promote <laughs> yes, the problem. So He'll
4: <laughs> show it off now with the tongue of a log. Wow. So I keep saying it, so it better be two tongue of a log because <laughs> I can say it right. Joe Reedy, number six overall.
6: <laughs> Tua time, baby. Um, yeah. I think I think it's a perfect situation for them. You got the bridge quarterback with Tyrod rod for this year. So Tua can develop, plus if there's still any injury concerns, he can he can go he can still rehab and everything however i don't think that's the only first the chargers make on thursday i could see them you know trying to get latent into the latent to make a move especially with desmond king is a uh, possible uh possible trait that uh they could go receiver or uh jonathan taylor and uh that, to uh, mm. pair with that Luristan Jackson would be intriguing, too, uh, Is a late first-round
1: guy. Another Wisconsin running back. Daniel Popper, I know you have some mock drafts float around out there. Um, humorous, number six overall.
0: Yeah, I've had the same guy at six in all three of my mock drafts. I don't plan on changing it. I think it's going to be Justin Herbert. I'm not buying the smoke screens about two. I think the, the Dolphins end up going with the player who's more productive and is more accurate passer. Um, and then Herbert's there at six. And and, I mean, the quarterback has always been the pick you as a general manager. I mean, I say this, I feel like on every radio interview podcast I do, but like every general manager in the NFL is trying to get a talented quarterback on a rookie deal. That's how, that's the fastest way to building a championship roster. The chargers have the option to do that this year. The idea is not to have that option every year because you don't want to be picking in the top six, seven picks every single year. You have an opportunity with a loaded roster to add that quarterback on a rookie deal. It makes too much sense to pass up.
1: Finally, Jason, I let you kind of monitor the room and see who everyone else was selecting. You get the final word on number six overall.
3: Well, I was going to go a different direction, so I'm glad I'm the last to go. Uh, I think there's a high possibility, if not a probability, that unless the Chargers do move up, the quarterback that they want will not be there at six. And if that's the case, it forces them to look in other directions. And yeah, they could trade down, but, we know what Isaiah Simmons could be in almost any defense, to be fair, but especially in that one, having two players with that sort of super versatile positionless skill set, Derwin James being the other, I think would just be such a boon to that defense. And again, when you're in a division like the Chargers, where you have to see the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year, having those pieces could really make a huge, huge difference. And you know, if the quarterback that they want is gone, I, there may not be a better player in the draft for them than Isaiah Simmons. Yeah.
0: follow-up question.
3: All right, go ahead.
0: Can I I follow up? Wait, so does that mean you think all three guys, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, all off the board before six?
3: I mean, I think we all agree that Burrow is going to be off the board at one and that Miami in some capacity is going to take a quarterback. So I'm not saying there won't be a quarterback available to them, but I'm not necessarily sure that that's a way that they want to go if it's not the guy that they like. And we can make an argument for why it would be Herbert. We can make an argument for why it would be Tua. But I mean, there's enough questions in both cases with Herbert, with the inconsistencies, Tua with the medical and the inability for any of these teams really to confirm that information that he really has fully recovered and where he's going to be, you know, when training camp does eventually roll around. So it's entirely possible that the guy that they actually want in terms of the quarterback isn't there. And rather than just picking the other quarterback that's still available, they go a different direction. Because I think we all remember back in 98, when they moved up to number two to get whichever quarterback the Colts didn't take, it didn't work out. That's, you know, it doesn't mean that they can't still take a quarterback, but I think there's, there's enough reason to believe that they could consider another option
1: you guys think they're going to stamp Pat at six?
0: Yeah.
6: No. To me, no. I don't, I don't think so. I think, to me, the draft starts – we already know who Cincinnati's taken it one and Washington's taken it two. To me, the draft this year starts with Detroit at three. Mm-hmm. And Detroit has the third pick by the time we get to 830 next Thursday. Either Miami's going to move up, a team that desperately wants Isaiah Simmons is going to move up or the Chargers are going to move up from six into
1: three. Haley, we got three Tua's, a Herbert and a Simmons. Uh, I think Chargers fans would probably be happy with with any of those potential options because, A, it, it senses that, hey, you're going to have a franchise quarterback in the fold for hopefully the next decade plus, or, B, your defense just went from really good to potentially elite.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you pick this high, the goal is to get it right. Because like what Daniel said, you don't want to be this high again, really, ultimately. that That is the goal. And it's hard to go wrong with any of those choices. Draft season is exciting, and we're going to all find out really what happens next Thursday. It's almost here.
1: I can't wait. I can't wait. Guys, I'm going to let everyone have their uh, a, a parting shot as we end. It's similar to the, the sports reporters, let's start with... Let's start with Daniel Popper.
0: Okay, so I have a couple of things that I've written down here that I've just been accumulating over the course of this chat. So, uh, uh, a couple Joe things brought, you've written down. What do you You have notes? I have a notepad. <laughs> yeah, well, I just didn't want to forget. I, I, I feel like I butt in a lot, so I don't want to like, and Joe would probably no. attest to this. I feel like really? I butt in a lot, so I was just, this time, I wasn't going to do that. I was just going to let everyone talk, <laughs> and then hopefully I was going to get an opportunity to share all my thoughts <laughs> at the end. But so, <laughs> which I got. So, <laughs> yeah, so one thing about... A potential trade up to I know Joe brought this up to three with Detroit and in, including Desmond King in a deal. Um Detroit played paid Justin Coleman a bunch of money last year to be their primary slot corner. So if Desmond King is traded, he would be in a similar situation that he's in with the Chargers right now as far as needing to play outside to get on the field. So the fit doesn't make a ton of sense. I'm not saying that they're not going to trade up, but I just don't know if a Desmond King trade to three would make a ton of sense for Detroit. And then the other thing we were talking about is like could they take, could they trade back in? the first round to take a wide receiver i feel like at 37 they're either gonna assuming they go quarterback in the first round which is just an assumption i'm making they could not do that obviously as you know as jason said but the two strongest positions in this draft in my opinion are wide receiver and tackle um especially early on in the draft and i think ultimately it's going to shake out one of two ways either teams are going to go for the tackles and there's going to be a really really good wide receiver available at 37 or teams are going to go for the wide receiver there's going to be a really really good tackle available at 37 whether it's Josh Jones or Ezra Cleveland, one of those guys, Austin Jackson, a guy like that, or maybe a Denzel Mims, Brent Nayuk, one of those guys. So I don't know if trading back into the first round would make a ton of sense because I think they're going to be able to address one of those two positions at 37 with a player that brings a lot of value to the table if they go quarterback in the first round. And then also, the last thing I had written down was, uh, you know, with Simmons, it's going to depend entirely, Isaiah Simmons is going to depend entirely on how they have him rated. Um, you know, if they have him rated as a top three player then, and he's there at six, they're going to take him. If they have him rated as, the top 10 player and he's there at six is not a sure thing. All
1: right. I didn't know what direction I was going to go in next for the parting shot, but I see Joe Reedy with a, with a pup, with a dog. So (laughs) uh, I think that I have to naturally go with Joe.
6: Um, I guess my parting shot is going to be since, you know, we've, we haven't had much to talk about. Hasn't been live sports for the last month. Let's talk uniforms. Um, (laughs) You know, looking at Joey Bosa with his unabashed joy at seeing the uh, seeing the new duds, uh, which was through Instagram or something, and then uh, Megan and the crew uh, honking the uh, the Panthers after they uh, and the Bucks after they uh, debuted their uniforms. To me, the to me the biggest question is since they've done the throwback and we've seen the Lance Allworth and everything our numbers going to be on the helmets, and how much, how much, at uh, bring people, bring pre people back in terms of sales and everything, and kind of an old time look, and uh, you know, the fact that they're going away from the navy blue first time in forever, I think, is uh, interesting. So, really interesting to see the debut on Tuesday, and hopefully, the color rush. It's not. A uh, bright yellow jersey and bright yellow pants that uh, cause a, a total eclipse of the sun.
1: <laughs> Tuesday is coming sooner than later. Gil Manzano.
4: I'm going to follow uh, Joe Reedy's lead here with the dog thing. So give me a second to get my back. Bam. <laughs> it's the cam. There it is.
0: Oh, what is happening? i bring his face, Joe. <laughs> I don't want
1: to see you. I <laughs> want to see the pup.
0: Horror, hey, what's going hey. on?
1: Did we, oh, is this, the zoom? Is this a, uh, a Zoom background? Let me
4: see this. Can you see it?
1: Hey! Talk, right?
4: There it is. Well, my, my parting shot, I know you can't really see me with the background, is trade for <laughs> a quarterback, move up to number three. When you want a quarterback, you got to go up. History has shown that uh, when you want a quarterback, you got to trade. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Sam, Sam Darnold, not too long ago, you got to trade up for a quarterback. So you're the Chargers, get your quarterback, and that's my dog count.
1: <laughs> uh, or Sean Watson. Yeah. Well done. Well done, sir. Jason Hershorn.
3: Well, I was going to talk about the uniforms, but Joe did that so eloquently, so I don't think there's anything to add there. I guess what I'll say is, because we didn't talk about, when we talked about the players we saw, the Chargers perhaps actually taking in the first round, didn't really talk about the offensive line. I think it's worth pointing out here that James Camp, the new offensive line coach, has done a tremendous job over his career getting quality play at left tackles from guys you wouldn't expect to provide it. You know, it, the year that Aaron Rodgers won his first MVP, his blind side protector for virtually that entire year was Marshall Newhouse. You know, David Bakhtiari, a day three pick, stepped in as a rookie, started left tackle. Now he eventually became an All-Pro, but that's a big ask for any pick, let alone one made in the fourth round. So I understand that the offseason is not going to be a normal offseason. There's going to be less time for these players to learn and develop. But James Campin has had more difficult difficult tasks in the past, and perhaps this is a situation where they feel like, they don't have to necessarily take a tackle early because they feel like camping can help them find adequate play with the guys they already have in the house.
1: Jeff Miller,
5: final word. Well, my final word is uh, uh, my final thoughts would be that earlier in this conversation, Jason said we all remember what happened in '98. Now, I want to point out that there's some people on this right now who were <laughs> how old were they <laughs> in '98? I was how five do you years remember old. What happened in '98, Jason? You weren't very old. Uh, and the other thing I want to point I was out was double
3: is digits, Jeff, double digit. That's all we
5: need to say. <laughs> I was fine. Jay- Jason in these conversations routinely drops names of people. I have no idea who they are. This guy knows <laughs> a lot of NFL that I, I'm amazed. I don't know how you, I don't know how you, some of you guys know all this stuff. It's fantastic. I'm but, actually uh,
3: 64 years old.
5: <laughs> your knowledge is, uh, I I'm blown away by it. It's, it's phenomenal. But the one thing, the other thing I want to point out is, I think, I'm guessing that two people on this call have seen the Charger uniform, so this could be an opportunity right here to maybe give a little sneak peek about, is there any, uh, can you give us insight? I'm,
1: I'm guessing that a couple of people have seen him. Who are the wrong? two? Is it Reedy? Reedy? Well. Him? <laughs> <Popper's> seen them? <laughs> Haley, you haven't seen him, have you? Two seen what i haven't yeah.
0: <laughs> I only
1: have three words listen i'm gonna i'm a just strong gonna, arm
0: emoji prayers emoji fire emoji that's yeah i'm just gonna it. add to the uh
1: 100 to the player the player yeah, 100. Tweets, the player tweets sheesh with the <laughs> yeah. with the fire emojis that's all i'm gonna say
0: it's almost like it was a bit of a coordinated effort
1: <laughs> <laughs> guys i always i always love doing this with everybody uh, promise me you'll come back maybe the weekend of the draft we can recap it uh, for our fans and also just a heads up haley and i are going to be joined by petrus and money for our bolts draft room virtual draft experience on draft day um this will be prizes Uh, It's going to be Chargers legends. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you guys will join us an hour before the draft to get you ready for the number six overall pick for Haley Elwood, Jason Hirshhorn, Daniel Popper, Joe Reedy, Jeff Miller, and Gilbert Manzano. I'm Chris Hayree. Thank you guys so much for listening.